Welcome back to our Old Testament learning series. This is lesson 28, God Heard Their Cry. Please read along in your Bible in Exodus 1 and 2. Before we begin this story, I have two questions for you. First, how much of your nation's history do you know? I think that no matter where you are in this world, if you examine your nation's history and look in the books that have been written about your nation, you will find some great and wonderful stories. This is what governments like to do. They like to celebrate heroes with special stories to make people feel proud of their nation. Well, Today, we start following the story about a new nation, the nation of Israel. Now, what do you think the purpose of this story is? My second question for you is, what happens when you take a large rock and you throw it in a pond? Well, the rock destroys the peaceful calm water and splashes everywhere. Everything gets wet. Now think about persecution of Christians. Has your church ever felt that pain that happens when you're persecuted? Persecution is like that rock. It hurts. It's painful. It destroys peace and calm. The church gets scattered and splashed everywhere. However, the gospel is also preached in more places than before, and the church grows. What happens when evil tries to get rid of God's church? The church grows. Now, let's turn to our story um, and look at after the death of Jacob or Israel. It's after that time that his family, Jacob's family, stayed in Egypt a really long time. They were there about 400 years. The time in Egypt was a blessing. They had their lives spared during the famine. They found that the land of Goshen had really good land for pastures and crops. The original family of 70 grew really fast into a nation of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. By this time, Joseph has been dead a long time. And there is a new pharaoh that is ruling Egypt. This pharaoh has no love at all for Joseph or for his wonderful work of saving Egypt from famine. No, not at all. This new pharaoh actually hates the Hebrew neighbors that live in Goshen. You see, this new pharaoh is actually scared of them because their numbers are growing so fast. He thinks they might actually threaten the Egyptian nation in the future with war. This fear turns to hatred. This hatred turns into a desire to squash them. And so the announcement comes from Pharaoh. These Hebrews are growing too large and too strong. I will make them slaves. The Hebrews, or the people of Israel, what we call the Israelites, they're made into slaves. 
They were forced to make bricks and to build cities for the Egyptians. These Egyptians worked them so hard, they drove them cruelly, they beat them without mercy. But this suffering had the opposite result of what Pharaoh wanted. The Israelites continued to grow even though they were being persecuted. This was all part of God's very wise plan. He didn't want the Israelites to be so close to the Egyptians, to worship their idols, or to be too comfortable there. He wanted, to, he wanted them to be a separate nation, bound together, separate from the Egyptian idols. Through this slavery and suffering, they would be saved as a nation. Now, since that didn't work, Pharaoh thought of another idea. He told Shipra and Pua, the supervisors of the midwives, to make sure that they killed all the boy babies that were born to the Israelites. Well, Shipra and Pua were horrified. They were midwives. They were supposed to help babies be born. What a horrible idea to kill babies. These midwives feared God and refused to obey Pharaoh's evil command. And when Pharaoh asked them why they had done this, they said that the Hebrew babies were always born before they could arrive on time to kill the baby. The Bible does not exactly tell us they lied, and so they could have been telling the truth. But this was not the full, truthful answer. They seemed weak to tell the whole, real, truthful answer. Breaking God's command to not lie, even in the face of danger, is never right. But we also read that God dealt well with the midwives, and the people of Israel continued to grow. Pharaoh comes up with an even more extreme plan. He commanded a mass killing of all the infant boys, that they be thrown into the river and drowned. Pharaoh might not have known this, but here, he is on Satan's side by going against God. Remember, it was God's command to be fruitful and to multiply. Governments that on purpose kill people or try to pass laws to limit the number of children to only one per family go against God's divine command. Now, it was at this peak of cruelty and murder that a young boy was born. And his mother looked at him and knew he was really special. But as small as he was, if this little boy was discovered, he would be thrown in the river and drowned. The parents were not afraid of Pharaoh's command, and with a wonderful act of faith, they hid him in the house for three months. But he could not be kept hidden forever because baby boys make noise like all babies do. 
And so the mother made a small waterproof basket and gently placed her baby boy in the basket and then went to the riverside and gently placed the basket in the river. What danger was in this river? This little baby boy could be drowned or the basket could tip over or he could be snapped up by a crocodile. But the mother had a strong trust. This would not happen because she had told her 12-year-old daughter, to Miriam, to stay near the riverbank and keep an eye on the basket. Now, over there comes the princess, Pharaoh's daughter, and along with her maids. She's coming to the river's edge to bathe, and she sees this little ark floating towards her. She opened the lid of this basket and says, there's a Hebrew boy in this basket. His crying must have made her have compassion on this baby, and she was determined to adopt this baby as her own. And suddenly, a young girl comes running up and asks, should I go and find a Hebrew mother to nurse this baby for you? What a wonderful ending. Miriam was this girl. And she goes straight to her mother, who was told by the princess that her mother would be paid for nursing this baby boy until he was ready to leave the home. Now the mother gets her son back in safety. You can count on it. She was so diligent now in teaching him about spiritual things and praying constantly that God would keep him in the future. If you have been following along in the story of Joseph, you know that God was preparing Joseph for a future task. Well, here too. Eventually, this little boy was old enough to leave his mother's and father's house and to live in the palace along with the princess. She named him Moses because he was drawn out. Moses lived in the palace and received a really good education. God was preparing him for a future task. Just a question for you. Do you think you already know who the hero of this story will be? You might be wrong. Moses traveled and often saw how miserable his people were treated. It changed him. He had such love for them. He saw his people suffering under Pharaoh, and those became his sufferings also. He wanted to be among them. He would rather suffer with them than be in the palace of Pharaoh. This was a choice that God made him make in faith. This choice of Moses also puts him with his parents in the famous Heroes of Faith chapter, Hebrews 11. One day, Moses sees an Egyptian. He sees him beating a Hebrew. Moses attacks the slave driver to defend his brother, and he kills the Egyptian, and he buries the body in the sand. The next day, Moses tried to help make peace between two fighting Hebrews, and they both got angry at him and said, Who do you think you are? Do you think you're our boss? 
Are you going to kill us just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Moses thought his brothers would see that God was trying to rescue them by using Moses. But they didn't understand this. When Pharaoh heard this had happened, he wanted Moses dead. And so Moses had to flee away to Midian in Arabia. Moses should have let God rescue these people instead of trying to do it himself. When in Midian, he was at a well, resting, and, and seven sisters came to water their flocks there. But some rough shepherds came along and chased them away. Moses rescued the women and helped them. He soon found himself invited to their home, where he met their father Jethro. Now, Jethro was a very important man in this country, the, pre the priest of Midian. Moses stays and works at this home, eventually marrying Zipporah, one of the sisters. God blessed them, and they received a son who was named Gershom, which means, I have been a stranger in a strange land. This name also refers to being driven out or pushed out. It probably refers to Moses' experience of leaving Egypt. This kind of describes Christians today as well. They so often feel pushed out and rejected by this world. Their life here is one as a stranger. Their home on this earth is not really the eternal home they look for. Let's read the last three verses of chapter 2, which covers 40 years of suffering. The children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. God allowed his people to suffer, to keep them separate, to help them grow, to show them their need of salvation and deliverance from slavery. And here, the people, they prayed, they told God of their grief, their distress, their agony, and God heard their cry. Let's look for some connections here. How do these first two chapters fit into our Old Testament puzzle? <clears throat> God is starting to keep the promise that he made in Genesis. What do these chapters here show us about who God is and, and about what God does? Do they tell us some things about ourselves? maybe? After all, the Old Testament is more than stories. Each detail is included for our benefit. First, if you think about our lessons on Joseph, you'll remember that he resembled the future Savior in many ways. Are you curious if that is also true with Moses? Yes, it is. Both Moses and later Jesus needed to be rescued from their enemies when they were very young boys. You already know 
that Moses would rather leave the luxury of the palace and suffer with his people in order to deliver them. He was not ashamed to do this. So much more should we love the Lord Jesus. He left the glories of heaven to suffer with his people in order to save them. In Hebrews 2, verse 11, the writer tells us that Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren. Second, we see that God is love. God made his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of his eternal love for himself. It is God's love that saved Moses alive out of the river. It is his love that guided Moses' life, preparing him to be the future leader of Israel. No matter what kind of slavery or cruel thing Pharaoh tried, it was God's love that kept the people. In Romans 8, the author speaks about how wonderful God's love is. And then in verse 31 of that chapter says, what should we say then? What can we understand from all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And God was for the Hebrews because they were his covenant people. Amazing. These people did not have much going for them. But they had the God of the covenant. They were a small people but became a really large people. This was something God had promised Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I will make you into a great nation. So if I had to ask you now who the hero of this first story of Exodus is, I hope you see that the hero is not Moses, but rather the God of Moses. Is he also your God? Third, we see that God is merciful and kind. Look in verse 23 and onwards about what kind and merciful things we can learn about God when the people of Israel cried and prayed to him. God heard. God remembered. God looked, God had respect, God knew all about his people and their sufferings. He has seen everything that has been happening and heard all of their prayers. They were his dear covenant people, his chosen nation. And God will keep his covenant because of who he is, not because of who the Israelites were. Fourth. Let's look for a short moment at this nation of the Israelites. They were slaves. They were helpless. They were unable to save themselves. They were stubbornly refusing to serve God. And they were looking at the idols of the Egyptians. They were fighting each other even. They were more than slaves of the Egyptians. They were slaves of sin. Do you sin? Of course, we all do. 
Then listen to Jesus in John 8, verse 34. There he says, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant or slave of sin. We need a Savior to deliver us from our slavery to sin. And this story shows us that there is a God who saves. In our next lesson, Moses and the burning bush, we're going to see how God calls Moses back out of Midian to save this nation of Israel.